I want to get through this quickly so we can get to our Super Second Sunday. It dawned on us that today is Super Second Super Bowl Sunday. So, Super Second Super Bowl Sunday. So, so we're going to be going through um, Exodus 5 and 6 today. So we're not going to read all of both, but we're going to read uh, Exodus 5 and then the beginning part of 6 just to kind of set up the set up what we're talking about. So I'm going to have Dalton come up, and uh, I'm going to pray really quick. So God, we just pray that you would bless this time as we look into your word, that you would speak to us, that you would continue to uh, open our eyes to see what you want us to see, and that you would speak to our hearts and change our lives in your precious name. Amen. So Exodus 5, guys. Exodus 5. Afterwards, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Let my people go so that they may hold a festival to me in the wilderness. Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? I do not let know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. Then they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Now let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God or he may strike us with plagues or with the sword. But the king of Egypt said, Moses and Aaron, why are you taking the people away from their labor? Get back to your work. Then Pharaoh said, look, the people of the land are now numerous and you are stopping them from working. That same day, Pharaoh gave this order to the slave drivers and overseers in charge of the people. You are no longer to supply the people with straw for making bricks. Let them go and gather their own straw, but require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. They are lazy. That is why they are crying out. Let us go and sacrifice to our God. Make the word harder for the people so that they keep working and pay no attention to the lies. Then the slave drivers and overseers went out and said to the people, this is what Pharaoh says. I will not give you any more straw. Go and get your own straw wherever you can find it, but your work will not be reduced at all. So the people scattered all over Egypt to gather stubble to use for straw. The slave drivers kept pressing them, saying, Complete the work required for you each day, just as when you had straw. And Pharaoh's slave drivers beat the Israelite overseers they had appointed, demanding, Why haven't you met your quota for bricks yesterday or today as before? Then the Israelite overseers went and appealed to Pharaoh, Why have you treated your servants this way? Your servants are given no straw, yet we are told, Make bricks. Your servants are being beaten, but the fault is with your own people. Pharaoh said, Lazy. That's what you are, lazy. That is why you keep saying, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Now get to work. You will not be given any straw, yet you must produce the full quota of bricks. The Israelite overseers realized they were in trouble when they were told, you are not to reduce the number of bricks required for you for each day. When they left Pharaoh, they found Moses and Aaron waiting to meet them. And they said, May the Lord look on you and judge you. 
You have made us obnoxious to Pharaoh and his officials and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. Moses returned to the Lord and said, Why, Lord, have you brought trouble on this people? Is this why you sent me? Ever since I went to, spare, to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has sought, brought trouble on this people, and you have not rescued your people at all. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now that now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of this country. God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But my name, the Lord, I did not make myself fully known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, where they resided as foreigners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites, whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Now I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. Moses reported this to the Israelites, but they did not listen to him because of their discouragement and harsh labor. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the Israelites go out of his country. But Moses said to the Lord, If the Israelites will not listen to me, why would Pharaoh listen to me, since I speak with faltering lips? Thank you. So I want to share just a couple thoughts on this really quick, and then I'm going to, Kevin is going to come up and share something he thinks the Lord has put on his heart and lead us in communion as we go into the um, Super Second Sunday. And I think it's actually interesting. I didn't realize this till we were talking about revival earlier. It's kind of funny how how in, how much this uh, <coughs> this two chapters fit into uh, what I was just saying, even about that book. Um, we talked last week and the week before about God, uh, God encountering Moses, sort of like we're talking about in revival, a sudden awareness of his presence. In this case, it was a burning bush and a voice telling Moses, hey, here's the thing you need to do. And we talked about all that and how Moses was initially like, cool, and then no, you know, like, can somebody else do this? And then eventually he gives in, okay, I'll do it, you know, and Aaron's coming. And then they come back, and it ended last week on like a pretty up, upper bit. They like say, hey, he met with the Israelite people. God cares. He's going to do this thing. He shows them the signs. They're like, this is awesome, you know, sweet, you know, but you can, in those kind of moments, forget that God had been, and I said, I mentioned a certain deliberateness of God, like God doesn't plead with people, and God doesn't, um, he just kind of says things, and they're things, because he doesn't have to, you know, condition them the way that we do, like, uh, and he's not, whatever, for all the reasons we have to condition things, and he said, Pharaoh's not going to go along with this, but we're going to, I'm going to, it's going to be fine, but 
He's not going to go along with it, you know. And uh, everybody's excited. So they go to tell Pharaoh, hey, let the people go. And he says, no. And then he says, you know what? I'm going to make their lives worse. And that'll shut them up, you know, this kind of thing. And it starts this chain of events that happens to us, can happen to us. That's why this is kind of funny because this one's like, last week was kind of an upper. And this one's like, is this a downer? It's like, it's not a downer. It's just a step. When you follow into what God is leading you, any time, like, I mean, like, the first time and every other time, this is kind of what can happen next often. And it's this chain of events which we see in this here. God directs us or calls us. We follow. That's the person. I think I have these, yeah. And then... uh. The world or the devil is, is Egypt and Pharaoh are in this story to represent the world and the devil. They resist us. And then we doubt ourselves. And then we doubt God. And the whole time God's like, I'm good. We're good. This is good, you know. But you walk through this whole thing, you know. Um, and so coming right out after this high from last week, yes, yeah, God cares about us and he wants to deliver us. We're like, all right, we're going to go tell him. He's like, no, and then I'm going to make your lives a lot worse. So the devil resists us, obviously. That should be, you know, God had told them this, and it should be obvious just cognitively that you think, I wonder if the devil would like me following God. You see, it's like, no, of course not, you know. And anybody that's caught up in that way of living would also not like it. And that's what you see in this first response. Um, immediate resistance to God's plan in our lives when we do the same thing, which leads to us to feel like what God said isn't working. Have anybody been there? Is anybody willing to admit that? You take this first step, and then, so here's what happens. Like, the straw was part of the bricks. The bricks are made of clay and stuff, and the straw kind of binds them together. It gives them something to, like, hold on to. So he's like, I'm not going to give you straw anymore. Go get your own straw. But I still want the same number of bricks. This is not possible. It's meant to be mean and just horrible. And you see this. Some of you have experienced this, where as long as you're oppressed by them, they're kind of cool with you. And I'm not talking about people necessarily. Like, don't put too many faces on this. The moment you go, you know what? I think I'm going to do what God says. They go, whoa, 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 whoa. And then there's immediate, like, we're not cool anymore. You know what I mean? And they experience this. And it's not fair. And it's terrible. And uh, they come back to Moses and they're like, may the Lord look on you and judge you because you've made us obnoxious to Pharaoh and the officials have put a sword in their hand to kill us. That, right after, yay, God's going to deliver us and you're, you know, you're leading us out. And they're like, How, look what you've ruined everything. So the first movement into God's plan is ruining everything for everyone. That's what they're living through right now, or so it seems. And um, the first sign of God's plan working is bad to everyone. Pharaoh's mad. All the people are mad. Oppression. Moses is like, what the, you know? And then Moses, le le so they doubt him, and then we doubt ourselves, each other, and ourselves. And then ultimately it leads Moses to to doubt God, where he says in verse 22, Moses returned to the Lord and said, Why, Lord, have you brought trouble on this people? Is this why you sent me? That's a statement of doubt there. And I'm not being down on the guy. I'm saying we all go through this. He's like, is this, is this what you wanted to do? You know, which God doesn't go, no. I mean, you know, like God responds in the same way that he's like, hey, this is how it works, you know. And he reminds him, 
you know, we talk about the I am. He reminds him again, remember what I said of who I am. I don't, it's not like I'm needing permission or help or anything else. And he's saying, but you guys are going to have to see how this works as I interact with the world. And you start to see, uh, um, you see this, like I called it, a certain deliberateness of God. He doesn't try to make a case for himself. He's like, guys, I am, remember. And then he says this, therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord in the midst of all of that. So the first thing you say, God's going to deliver us. He cares. I'm going to Pharaoh. Pharaoh makes everyone's life worse. He's like, all right, good. He's like, I got it. I knew that would happen. Tell him this. I am the Lord, and I will bring them out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and mighty acts of judgment. And, and then nobody believes him, because why would they? So far, they're like, track record is 0-1, you know. And God's, this is the funny thing. When, in these verses, you keep seeing God referring to himself, and he's using the words outstretched arm and mighty hand. And that's kind of a mockery of the Pharaoh, because the way the Pharaoh would talk about himself, he's like, I am God, and my outstretched arm can reach to do this and that. And God's like, I'll show you an outstretched arm, <laughs> you know. And that's what he's saying, literally. And, uh, and so sometimes following God causes others to react negatively, negatively to us, but it's still worth doing because God has a plan. And this is not the end of the story. And where I get to this, Kevin, if you're out there, I don't know where you are. Did he just go outside? Kevin, if you're outside, you need to come in now. <laughs> the, uh, I told him 10 minutes. The, uh, uh, this is the thing that, this is actually kind of the other side of what I was talking about earlier, about the emotional thing. When God does something powerful in our lives, it's emotional. Uh, or it can be. I mean, it doesn't always have to be. Sometimes it's, you know, not. But emotion doesn't validate it or invalidate it, but it's also kind of to be expected when God does something powerful in our lives. It's like, yeah, okay. Um, but then you also can get into situations where doing exactly what God says, and in this case, having the exact effect God said it would, even though we might have forgot those parts, we're focused on the let my people go deliverance part, like, yes. He's like, Pharaoh's not going to go along with it. You're like, I know, but yeah, you know, and then you go, hey, Pharaoh, and he's, like, he's like, no, and you're like, wait a minute, what just happened? And God's like, I told you the whole time this thing, you know, and he's not, maybe not even mad. He's just kind of like, hey, this is just the way it is. Um, in the same way that when God moves on us, it can be emotional, um, and I find it to often be uh, our emotions or our feelings, maybe we'll say feelings in this case, don't run the show. Because if they did, they'd be like, well, I guess we missed God on this one. You were wrong, I guess. Which is the kind of thing people are saying to Moses. He even causes Moses to go, God, why did you even do this thing? Because it doesn't, it's not, it's not doing what I thought it would do. And God's like, it's doing what I thought it would do. It might take a minute. And that's why this is, we're stopping right here because this is where these chapters stop, but it's not the end of the story. This is where God starts to do, he says, with my outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment, he has a plan here that needs to happen between him and the Egyptians and specifically the gods they're worshiping and all the stuff that's wrapped into that. He's like, you think this is how the world works? I'm going to show you it isn't. And it doesn't go quickly. It takes a minute, and we're going to go through that next week. But it's not the end of the story, but we find ourselves living. I like stopping here or handing it off to Kevin here because I think that we often find ourselves exactly in that moment. Following God, I got it. Doing that first thing or whatever, 
and seeing blah, the whole life seem to fall apart and then kind of backing up and giving up. And the encouragement is, don't go that way. <laughs> go this way. <laughs> and we'll see this come up over and over as we go through this book. I know some of y'all have read it, but uh, your turn. Well, I just wanted to go into a, um, a time of prayer. And so if the, the, the prayer team, if whoever's doing the prayer at Richardson's, um, I, I really felt stirred to pray for people today, um, specifically for deliverance. As we go through the book of Exodus, we see themes of this deliverance. And so we've been studying the book of Exodus as a youth group. Uh, the boys' Bible study on Wednesday nights have been going through it. We actually just went through Exodus 5 and 6. And so now, Sean, you're going to come up and preach for a minute. Okay, Sean, Sean goes, what? Sean's awesome. Um, he, he's, yeah, he could. He's been helping out a lot in the, the boys' Bible study and sharing a lot. And so the Lord's really working on the youth's heart in their, in their study of the Bible. And so be encouraged by that. But as we were going through it, I, was, I was just felt really stirred um, this past Wednesday about this message of deliverance that we see in the book of Exodus and how it relates to what God did uh, with Jesus for us. You see the book of Exodus and how they started out where they're in slavery. And you can see this theme of, of slavery as, as almost this uh, theme of sin that we, we are in. We're slaves to this sin. And when Jesus came, he came to break that off of us and to give us freedom. And so you see the same picture here in Exodus. It's a picture of the cross of Jesus as how we were enslaved to sin and we needed somebody to come and deliver us. We needed somebody to come and rescue us. And it was only through God and his redeeming work that he was able to do that. And I felt like there was people, as we read Exodus 5 and 6, I was thinking about the people that were there, the Hebrew slaves that were there, hearing this message. Here comes Moses and they're thinking, now's the time, we're going to be delivered. But as Pastor Brian preached about how it became harder for them and they probably started to lose hope. And they started to think, well, this is it. I guess we'll just be sitting in this the rest of our lives, sitting in this slavery the rest of our lives. And I feel like that's a lot of our mindset, even as Christians, that we think, well, you know, I, I believe in the Lord and I believe that he's rescued me and freed me from sin. But there's still this one thing that I just feel like, I think that's just going to be with me the rest of my life. And there's things like that, that the Lord wants to deliver us from. I don't know what that is in your life. I can kind of guess some things in my own life that I need prayer for for that as well. But I feel like there's some people that just feel stuck in that. You just feel stuck and think, well, I'm just a slave to this, and I think this is just how it's going to be until the Lord returns. But I really feel like the Lord wants to give you freedom right now and deliver you from those things, and for you that to be a testimony of what God's done in your life. Think about the people of Egypt. They do get delivered. And what happens is that this story of Exodus is told throughout Scripture, you go throughout Scripture and you read about how God delivered these people. God can deliver you from whatever it is he needs to deliver you from, and God gets the credit. God gets the glory. You give glory to God the rest of your life, and you're a walking testimony of what God's done for you, not something you've done for yourself, but only something God's done for you. And so I really feel like the Lord wants to free some people of whatever it may be. And so let's pray about that right now. I'm going to ask the Lord to just highlight some things in our own lives. If there's something that's deeply hidden in the, uh, the depths of your heart and mind that you don't even know and realize you need freedom from, the Lord wants to deliver you from that. That you may be a pure light and vessel for him. Paul talks about this idea of being a slave to sin 
in Romans 6. I want to read a passage here at Romans 6. It gets at this idea of, of Jesus delivering us from sin from the cross, through the cross of Christ. Romans 6, 16, don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. So in the book of Exodus, we see God delivers these people out of Egypt first. There's salvation that he delivers them out of Egypt And then later on, we'll get to Exodus 19 and 20, when God gives them the law to obey. But what comes first? The law to obey in order to get salvation? Or does God's working deliverance act first to deliver you from that? Don't think, well, I just need to be more obedient in order for this sin to get off of me. That's what's wrong with me. I just need to push myself to obey more and push myself into this pattern of teaching to obey more. Then maybe God will set me free. No, the freedom starts first. He delivers you from that first through the cross of Jesus. And all you got to do is say, yes, Lord, I want that. I want to be free. I've been sitting here for 400 years in this stuff. Lord, deliver me. So would you right now go ahead and stand up? Let's give room for people if they want to come up front. We have wonderful people who would love to pray for you, who have been trained to pray for this exact thing of of deliverance. There could be a range of that. Don't think, well, I, I, I don't want to go up there because people think there's a range of things that we needed to be delivered from. It could be something as small as, well, I've my my toe has been hurting for 20 years. Don't you think the Lord wants to bless you and heal you from that? Just something as small as that. That might be someone in there, in here right now. Maybe somebody has that. So right now, I want to open it up for anyone to come up front and receive prayer as I pray for this. Lord, thank you so much. Out of your great grace, your great power, Lord, you have delivered us from the bondage of sin and death. You freed us, Lord, from a life of sin to live for you, Jesus, with this freedom to be bound to you, a freedom to be slaves to righteousness. Thank you for this. Lord, I ask right now if there's anyone in here, Lord, that that needs to be delivered from whatever it may be, Lord, I pray that you would just uh, highlight that to them, Lord, and say, this is, hey, I think this is what you need. So God, just show us, Lord, what that, that means. That we can walk with freedom, we can walk with light and feel light, not feel heavy and weighed down. There's some, some people that, uh, maybe there's just a, a heaviness of grief and pain that you've been carrying for a long, 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 long time. And the Lord's saying, hey, I I want you to give that to me today. Don't you think I'm strong enough to, to carry that? You don't have to carry that. 
There's a lot of things we think we need to carry because, well, I did this a long time ago and I just got to carry this around. The Lord wants to remove that from you. So Lord, remove these things, Lord, that we're not meant to carry. That you are stronger than we are. You are stronger, Lord, than our, than our own humanity can bear things, Lord, that we can't bear on our own, Lord. We need you to take those things off of us, the shackles, those things off of us. Maybe the things that we've caused, we've, 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 we have sinned. We, re, we admit we've sinned. We've done wrong, Lord. But Lord, your great grace offers us forgiveness and freedom from those, those things, those, that the punishment of sin is death. And you've died on the cross for that reason. And so we don't need to walk around with that death. We can walk around with the life of Jesus. So free us in Jesus' name. I want to open it up just to anybody that come and pray and as we, as we sing these songs.